Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. I have no idea. I have no idea. All I know, ladies and gentlemen, is that is going to be heard at the open of the show on a regular basis because we're going to work that into one of the show opens. Abby's already got it on the list along with some Senator John Kennedy stuff from yesterday. Good afternoon. <laughs> Welcome to, what is it, Wednesday afternoon? It is. Yeah, I'm not too happy about this week, Sue. It's, oh. going, it's, it's just going slowly, isn't it? I'm leaving tomorrow. Well, okay. Thank you for bringing that <laughs> oh. up. I got the email reminder today. I think I knew. I mean, we all knew that you were going to take a little. You're going down to Houston to see your brother. Yeah. And you're going to eat uh, lunch or dinner at my, my son works at a restaurant down there. He's yes. a cook at a really, really nice restaurant, so you're going to drop in on him. Yeah, I need you to find out when he's there. And then I will. I'll, we'll make sure we go He, work, he works there. quite a bit. I, I know okay. that. There's not a lot of time off. So, Fred, who's going to do Sue's News the next couple of days? Uh, it's going to be Fred's News. Yay, Fred's News! <laughs> well, it's one of the many reasons you're a Hall of Famer. I think that exactly. that's going to be made clear a week from tomorrow night. But Jane is here on Friday. I thought Jane had passed yesterday. Because, I mean, she usually responds to me right away, especially when it comes to questions that are not political. And I asked her an entertainment question. I said, because we share, you know, we share common, maybe more common bonds on that. But I said, hey, I'm I'm through Slow Horses, and I wrapped up this American Nightmare thing on Netflix. What do you got for me? I didn't hear from her the whole day. So I sent her a message. I know. I thought it was weird, too. I sent her a message today, and I said, have you passed? (laughs) You've never... You, you've yes, never, she you, said. You've never not responded on an entertainment question. Now, this kind of, I'm going to wind it back to the show today. Suze, this is what I do. I weave, oh, you know, a bit of a narrative. Such a gift. I know. It, <laughs> thank you for acknowledging that. Uh, she was busy in Jeff City yesterday. You know, oh, Jane, okay. Amongst many things, she's a lobbyist, and she Did said she it was a crazy a day. Well, she's not in the legislature, but I, I think they would have at least taken away a parking spot like they did for Bill Eigel. <laughs> Eigel posted that today. Yesterday, he was on the show. We're going to get into all this. So there's, you know, the continuing chaos in the Missouri Senate. You have the Freedom Caucus going up against Caleb Rowden and Cindy Laughlin. The, uh, I, well, they would be described by Eigel and the gang as the establishment rhinos, etc. And it got nasty yesterday. And the committee chairmanships from several members were stripped, but not from Nick Shore, which is interesting. And Nick is going to join us this hour. He's in the Freedom Caucus. So why why some committee chairmanships and, and not others will have sort of both sides of the story here this afternoon. Caleb Rowden, who is the state Senate pro tem, who was responsible for stripping Bill and other members of their chairmanships yesterday. And Senator Shore is going to come on with his reaction to 
um, to Caleb this afternoon. We got Doug High talking about what Joe Biden just said and the rest of what happened in in New Hampshire. I mean, I didn't even pay attention last night. It was I saw something come come over on Twitter at one point saying obviously that Trump had won, and then then it's over after that. I I don't know if I need do yeah. I need to spend any more time on it I than don't that. Think so. Okay, we'll move on. How's that sound? I think we're going to move on. I do have some good stuff here as we uh, as we start the afternoon, which I think is kind of interesting. Some of this comes from last week, and I want to get into the audio. This has kind of been making its way around the interwebs and Fox today, and it deals with a guy who is a UFC fighter. Sue, I'm guessing you're not the, the biggest UFC fan. I don't know how you knew that. I just, it's, it's another gift. Well, all right, so this guy, what's his name here? Sean... I gotta Sinclair. find his name. Um, is that it, Fred? You know what's interesting? Strickland. About- Sean, Sean Strickland. Strickland. Thank you. What's interesting about the story that I'm about to share? This is another one of those where you would think that there'd be a little bit more coverage in sports journalism, but there's really not. So Sean Strickland was in a big UFC middleweight fight on Saturday night. He actually lost it. So part of this audio goes back to a week ago when they were doing the news conferences. You know, they do this with boxing, too, where they're going to set up um, the fight and they have both fighters on stage. Well, there was a reporter at the news conference. And the reason that this is making its way around today is Dana White, who heads up UFC, said something that's sort of a mic drop moment. I'll get to that here in a second. So anyway, let me play uh, first and foremost what, what Sean said that got I guess, well, I should probably give a little attention. Abby, you remember what we labeled these, by the way? UFC? Um, yeah, that would, make, that would make sense. There it is. There was something that was apparently said by Sean Strickland about the, I don't know, about gay, gay men. And I'm not exactly sure. This is another thing that's interesting. Like, if you Google what did he say that got him into trouble, you really can't find a very specific answer. Now, what I do know is that he in the past has been critical of Bud Light over the trans issue. Um, He, um, you know, he said some other things about transgender athletes. But what so often is the case is you see all these allegations up there. He's, you know, anti-LGBTQ this, anti-LGBTQ. But they never give you specifics. The reporting is very, very unclear. And I will tell you this right now, and I think it's been pretty clear from everything that I've talked about, certainly even this week, you cannot trust the legacy media to tell you the truth. So when I heard this, I thought, well, what's it all about? I tried to investigate a little further, really didn't come up with answers. But here's what happened last week. You got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said, if I had a gay son, I would think I... Oh, look, another, another, I'm saying... Let me just fill in the blank there. The quote was, I guess, if I had a gay son, I would feel like I failed as a parent. He Apparently he said that. But again, I can't really even locate that specific quote. I see it, you know out there on some of the coverage, but but most of the coverage that's out there on this is really the Alphabet Mafia coverage. Like, there's no mainstream publication. So anyway, I'll play the beginning of that because the reporter gets cut off by Sean Strickland, and then he goes off, and you're going to hear a lot of bleeps here. Every single day, well, we're not Dana. talking about uh, Joe. Hang on a second here. That's the wrong one. How did I get to that? Tim Scott. You've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian yeah. community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said, if I had a gay son, I would think I... Oh, look, another... another I'm saying to you, the swamp, you guys, the swamp. Dude, you're a weak... Man, dude, you're like, you're part of the problem. You elected Justin Trudeau. Like, would you, when he sees the bank accounts, like, you're just pathetic. Everything that is wrong with the world is because. And the best thing is, is the world's not buying it. The world's not buying your peddling. This guy is the enemy. Uh, you want to look at the enemy to our world? It's that 
right there. I like that guy just because he cusses so much. So it's <laughs> it's a little hard to understand everything he's saying, but he just totally goes off on that report. So that was last week, and it gets a little attention, but I didn't hear about it. Fred, did you hear about no, it last week? Uh-uh. So then after the fight, he loses the fight, and then Dana White, the guy who heads UFC, one of the reasons I think this is interesting, too, is he makes these comments about Justin Trudeau. We got a guy that's coming on tomorrow who has a podcast up in Canada. Sean Newman is his name. He covers Canadian politics. The hottest thing in Canada right now has to do with the courts in Canada calling what Trudeau did with the Emergencies Act during COVID unconstitutional. It's a big deal. There's protests up there. We're going to get Sean on tomorrow. But obviously, politics comes into play even with UFC fighters, and that was one of the things that Sean Strickland was saying. So then Dana White gets asked about this whole controversy. And why can't you control your fighters and tell them what to say and blah, blah, blah. And here's what he says. You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about, you know, what they can say when they are up there with a UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia. Like, is there... I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you... A leash? All right. The other thing is you're getting into areas of homophobia and... Says who? Says that guy there, that reporter, or the person last week, that that becomes questionable, questionable from the beginning. I think I'm st- like free speech. Gonna when, control what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people. I don't can tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, uh, probably a good idea. You know, some people have said about this particular uh, dust-up, if this, and this is probably true, if somebody says things along the lines of what Sean Strickland did and they're in the NFL or they're in the NBA or they're in the, um, you know, in MLB, in Major League Baseball, the league's probably going to come down on them, and there's going to be all kinds of punishment. The other thing that would happen is ESPN would jump on them. I mean, you wouldn't get this if the politics were in the other direction. You see coaches in the NBA cite BLM and other things, and they're never called out. But if you do something, I'm not suggesting someone be discriminatory or uh, bigoted, etc. I don't even know what the guy said originally that got him into such hot water. But I love the fact that sports journalists think it's their responsibility to, you know, solve the world's problems when it comes to these speech issues. And I like the way that Dana White handled that. All right, we're going to take a break here because we got a lot to get to even this hour, including kind of a back and forth. Uh, Senate Pro Tem Caleb Rowden will explain his side of the story in the dust-up with the Freedom Caucus yesterday. Freedom Caucus member Nick Shore, good friend of this program, reared roundtable veteran, will respond. we got Doug High later this hour, too, on last night's New Hampshire primary results. Sue's News in the next hour, off and running here on a Wednesday afternoon. Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, got uh, more than a little nasty in the Missouri Senate yesterday. You want a sample? Here you go. 
Did, have you tried to contact me? Have you tried to contact me? Senator, no, well, you our, haven't. Our conversations what have kind of leader for... is that, Senator? Ask all the rest so, of the caucus. Senator, ask the rest of the caucus. We, well, the, ones already, that, the ones Senator, that voted for me over you. Two and a half years ago, two and a half years ago, you were the worst president pro tem in the history of the Missouri Senate. Wow, that is uh, Senator Denny Hoskins and the uh, the guy that he is identifying in that way. Senator Caleb Rowden, who is the state Senate pro tem, is with us this afternoon. I don't know. Do you take that as a compliment or, or not, Senator? How are you this afternoon? <laughs> I, uh, I texted my predecessor, and who, who Denny didn't uh, really care for either, and I, I said he was off the hook, and he was very appreciative of that. So, Well, what, it, what, it, what, it what, the, what the heck is going on here? You know, it, it's, it's a situation where, and I kind of understand both perspectives to a certain extent, but one sure, thing, and sure. I, I know that you're going to kind of put this into perspective from your position in leadership, that one of the issues here is that, of the, and I don't know what the number is, 16, 17 hours that the Senate has been in session so far this session, 15 hours has been taken up by filibuster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we I, I described, I did a bunch of pre-session interviews, um, you know, and, and kind of gave my expectations. And I, and I think generally everybody had low expectations, but I said, look, there's one way that this can get worse. Uh, one thing that I've never seen in my, you know, now my eighth year in the Senate is nobody comes in, nobody's ever come in, and from day one, not allowed us to function, not not allowed us to do the most basic elements of the Senate, um, you know, refer, getting our bills filed, referring those bills to committee, getting those bills out of committee, getting them to the floor for the purpose of having discussions on big conservative things. Uh, it, it, there's never been a year that I've been a part of where um, that's been that's been the case. And I said early, early before session, I said, look, if there was one way that something could get worse, that would be it. And fast forward to the beginning of session, these guys took to the floor literally from day one um, and have not allowed us to do the most basic functions of state government, uh, which are to get the bills, refer the bills, get them to committee, go through the process and start talking about policy. And so, you know, part of the, the reason for this action, it wasn't a culmination of, of, you know, five or six days. It was the culmination, frankly, of five or six years of of a, a set of individuals who I think disrespect, um, you know, this this chamber, and I think frankly are are trying to wreck it, uh, and have effectively wrecked it, so they can claim that the game is rigged against them. That's what is going on here, and there were enough of the other Republicans who were just sick of it, and we want to take control of the uh, Senate so we can do the big things that we all agree on. We're not dis- disagreeing on policy. We're disagreeing on process. I want to get back to talking about policy. So on that note, on process, let's kind of go back to, to last week on the uh, the IP reform and maybe explain yeah. what are they asking for specifically that you don't think is appropriate? What what I understand is, and, and I'm not good at this process stuff, so just you, you correct me, and I'm sure you will. But Senator Eichel says, look, we, we wanted to put the um, – you know, the initiative petition reform ahead of some of these other issues and get it done, not wait till the end of the session. So they were trying to make their stand on that. Now, I know there's a lot more to it, but what would you say sure. just specifically to that issue? Yeah, so they get, they took the floor on Monday. Monday, I had uh, we were planning to, and had they just asked me, I would have told them, um, we were planning to refer uh, all the IP bills are Senate joint resolutions, which are bills that go before the the the, the electorate for a vote, right? And so we were referring all those bills to committee that day, Monday of, of, of uh, last week. Right. They took to the floor and hijacked the floor for the purpose of bypassing every point in the process 
including public testimony, et cetera. Um, Senator Eigel knew that it was never going to be successful. Um, it had never been done before. Uh, there was no reason for it to be done. We, we were nine days into session at that point. I was going to refer the bill that day. It would have been heard had we not had a snow day or an ice day. It would have been heard Monday of this week and would have been voted out of committee tomorrow. But now they have hijacked the process and, and have not let us do anything since last Monday. And so now we are delayed. I, I'm still, I have still told them I will refer those bills just as soon as they let this slate of gubernatorial appointments of volunteers who want to serve their state. Um, that now they've hijacked that. That's their, that's their next thing that they've decided they want to you know, focus their attention on. It was never about the policy for them. It was about making a point. Um, we can get IP reform to committee and onto the floor. Now uh, it's delayed because of them, but we can still get it on the floor with plenty of time uh, to get it done. There's no reason why we can't go through the normal channels. And nobody is waiting until the end of session to do it. Sen Senator O'Laughlin made a comment, I think, on a, a radio show or TV show where she said, if, in fact, we have to um, take the nuclear route and, and do a previous question motion uh, to get the Democrats to sit down, that's something that we would do after at, at, towards the end of session, because anytime you PQ, you throw a lot of other stuff into disarray, including the budget. And so these guys are um, uh, they, they knew what they were doing. It was not to get IP to the floor. It was designed to make Senator Laughlin and myself look like we're not interested in doing these things. My deal to them is right now today, um, I will go to the floor and I will refer every bill that I have if they let the gubernatorial appointments go and IP will be heard next Monday in committee. All right. uh, and, and I think they're going to go to the floor and they're going to hold the floor because they don't think I don't know why, but that's the deal before them. Okay, State Senate President Pro Tem Caleb Brown is here from Columbia. So you stripped the committee assignments, though. You're not offering to give them back the committee assignments, right, if they do this? No. Okay. No, I think the committee assignments was a much bigger, um, you know, broader uh, culmination of, of, of years and years of, of, of disrespect. Got it, got chamber. it. But there are, Caleb, as you know, you know, I have Senator Shore coming up here. He's in the Freedom Caucus. He wasn't stripped. Is there a, and I'll ask him this, maybe this is better suited for him. It seems to me like there's almost a bit of a division in what you call the Chaos Caucus. They call the Freedom Caucus. Yes. Why yes. not, is that your position? Why not remove Nick's and in, in other committee chairmanships? I think there is a disconnect. I don't think, I, I have no problem with the members of the Freedom Caucus. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't care about the title. Um, you know, they can have whatever title that they want. I care about people who want to work together uh, with their colleagues to get big things done. I, I think Nick, as of now, and we've had this conversation, we've had, we've had numerous conversations even today. I think Nick is a guy that wants to get stuff done. He's going to tell you he wants to get stuff done. No, and I, I think, think so he's yeah. proven that over the course of time. I think there are people in their group uh, whose motivation is still to do the big conservative things. I think Senator Eigel and a few others would rather wreck this place so that they can say we have a mandate that we have to change Jefferson City um, because, you know, the, the, the big bad rhinos didn't get anything done. Uh, they're, they're the ones currently, as we sit here today, they are the ones standing between IP reform, uh, getting to the floor and getting done. It's not it's not me. I'm ready to refer it. I've been ready to refer it since last Monday. Uh, they are the ones that every time we come to the floor are holding it. So I'm not treating every Freedom Caucus member the same because I don't think every Freedom Caucus member yeah. is the same. Fair enough. One more question. Not you. Look, I know Bill. I've known him for a long time. I kind of know what he's about. I don't think you're off base on some of this stuff. But then outside of the committee chairmanships, you take his parking spot away. Is that not a little petty or can you explain that? I think they have been doing punitive uh, things that have disrespected their their 
colleagues, specifically the Republican colleagues and this chamber for a very, very long time. I think I think things can be both punitive and justified. And I think that was Senator Caleb Robin. I appreciate your insight on this. I, I appreciate you taking the time to and keep us posted, Caleb. You bet. All right, so that's one side of the story from Caleb Rodden. Let's get Senator Shore on. He's in the Freedom Caucus. We just talked about him just a little bit. Nick, how are you this afternoon? I've never been this pissed off in politics, I'll tell you that. Okay, well, let's get going then. At, at what in particular? Now, he obviously, Senator Rodden didn't really throw you under the bus, uh, seemed to indicate right. that there was a difference between you and some of the other members. So what, what the hell's going on? Well, number one, lack of communication. Uh, any any true leader is going to lead their team. They're going to communicate with their team. If there's issues with their team, they're going to address it as a leader should. Going into this year, there was no plan to try and and you know solve some of these rifts, solve some of these uh, issues, and lack of communication led to using the rule book. And I know a lot, a lot of people in leadership say that we try to go around the rules. No, this is in the rule book to have a committee of the whole here the initial petition process. Now. I don't think that the votes were there. Uh, talk to a couple members and say what you will about Bill Igel, but the issues that he kept bringing up, he addressed them. I mean, we had members in the Freedom Caucus that went to him for rules changes, and he tried to address them. The committee as a whole would be all of the members of the Senate. Yes, you can take public testimony. You can do all of that just like every other committee. It is a committee within the rule book. So that could have been prevented if leadership would have said in a caucus, in any meeting, in a phone call, in an email hey, here's the plan. But when you're stonewalling these individuals that for so many years have been trying to get initiative petition reform done, now we've got millions upon millions of dollars flooding into our state from out-of-state coffers trying to change our constitution and legalize abortion up to the point of birth. So there is a massive frustration. It could have been solved by, by communication. Last Thursday, I negotiated with all of the different parties five and a half hours, and certain individuals in leadership basically told me no. We're not negotiating with terrorists. We're not negotiating with you guys. So, look, we all agree that IP has to get done. But the emotions that these people continue to let, let fuel them uh, just ticks me off. And it gets even worse with these punitive measures. Uh, you know, true leaders aren't going to sit here and do these, these punitive measures. But the, the, the moral of the story here is, you know, they're, they're labeling the Freedom Caucus as a bully when all we wanted to do was actually debate some bills, get some answers on this stuff. Now with these punitive measures, it's just made it 10 times worse. But but for how how long has the Senate been in session, um, the chamber specifically in the month of January so far? Seventeen hours, eight. I don't even know what the number is, right? Something yeah, like yeah, so, yeah, something like that. Okay, but fifteen and a half hours have been taken up by filibusters from you know members of your caucus, right? Well, realistically, yes, that is true. But there's been no bill on the floor. It's just been governor appointments. Right, uh, right. Bills are coming to the floor. And, and to make matters worse, a middle finger was given to the Freedom Caucus. When we wanted clarification last week, when they gaveled out and adjourned, we were supposed to turn to uh, education reform this week. Instead, they put the FRA, which which locked down the Senate a couple of years ago, ahead of that and would not provide any answers. Even when I reached out saying, guys, come on, let me, let me help get to a solution here. Let's bring the Republican Party back together. What is the plan for next week? Are we going to go to this bill? Or are we going to go to education and bind us all together? Nobody gave me an answer. So this, this lack of communication is really yeah. what could solve a lot of these issues. But the, these punitive measures, let me tell you this, they, they were trying to. There was a, a, pack of other conser- or a pack of other Republicans trying to come after the conservatives because we were trying to debate these bills. Now, whenever there's a filibuster, nobody's working. Nobody else is out there trying to negotiate deals like we have been for five and a half hours. And last week, we took two deals, two deals that I negotiated with leadership to be thrown in my face and say, no, no more deals. What deal would you like to see on the initiative petition reform? 
Well, ultimately, it's a go-to committee. Um, and we, we thought we were going to get there. But that's the deal that we accepted last week is all of these initiative petition things go to a committee. We've heard it year after year after year. We could vote it out the same week after we've taken testimony, made any amendments, and then bring it to the floor. This is a, a vitally important topic for not only the members of the Freedom Caucus, but Republicans as a whole. And, you know, letting these emotions get in the way of doing the people's work has put us in the place where we're at now. The, the, the emotions, uh, you know, of people that are our parents' ages and going in there trying to deal with individuals that are just so fueled by hate, this is the result you get. Well, and to me, just listening to the audio, I played some of the audio, I think you heard it with Senator Hoskins and Senator Rowden, just the back and forth that has been on, whether it's Twitter or in, in the media, this is not going to get solved, right? So is, is this what we're going to face here for the next three months? I sure as I'll hope not. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot out of me when, you know, I, I'm, my family's back at home and I have to explain to them that they're grown ass adults out here acting worse than my kids, acting worse than preschoolers. And, you know, I'm a solutions guy. I, you know, I've addressed many big topics that, that many people said would never occur in the state of Missouri. And we still have big issues like education reform. Um, you know, I, I've been addressing bureaucratic overreach the past two weeks through my JCAR committee. Uh, and, and by the way, I know you indicated um, you know, to Caleb, you know, why was I one that, that didn't get pulled from these committees? There were Republicans that wanted me to not not because of anything I've done, not because of anything I've said, just because I'm part of a freedom caucus. So what are we what are we trying to do? We're trying to hit these big items that, you know, these senators who some of them are going on their last year have stood in the way and, and killed it year after year after year. So I don't know what, what the, the motive behind that is, but they were even trying to take furniture out of senators offices and try to relocate uh Basically, what what your office looks like. I mean, I mean th- this is the punitive well, crap that's I, I going think on down that here. That kind of stuff. I don't. I don't have any time for that. Really, I think that that is petty. But you, you know, I, I think that maybe there's blame to go around on both sides. And here's one thing: you're a straight shooter. Look, the one thing I haven't mentioned throughout this whole conversation here is, all these people are running for bigger offices, right? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the the background here. And the backdrop is they're vying bills running, Caleb's running, Hoskins is running. They're all running for something statewide. So they're trying to jockey for position. And that's getting in the way here, isn't it? Yeah, but if they would get in a room and figure out, hey, how can we all get wins? Because when you're going around the state, you're going to have to answer now, okay, well, why did you kill this? Why did you stand in the way of this? Why did you vote this way? If you were to pass initiative petition reform, if you were to address the crime in the city of St. Louis, Name the issue. If you could address these big red meat issues like Caleb was alluding to, then that would be a win for everybody. But now they've just poured poured gasoline over this dumpster fire, and in a way, they're making it worse. Yeah, there's 100% blame to go around with uh, the, the past beefs and, and personalities and conflict. But look, grow the hell up. This job is much more bigger than these individuals, these egos. We just have to realize it. And as of right now, the only people that are winning are the Democrats, the Democrats that are fundraising off of this this dysfunction that is happening. We need true leadership. We need people that will actually communicate with all sides of the Republican Party. We need individuals that are going to sit there and actually have a caucus so we can air these grievances out and not just take to uh, social media like keyboard warriors. All right. Thank you for the update this afternoon. Keep us posted. I'm glad this. Did I give you an excuse to miss the uh, ever so boring? Yeah. And I don't care who the party is, if it's a Democrat or Republican state of the state address by the governor 
I owe you one. Yeah, you're welcome, dude. All right, see you later. <laughs> Take care. The whole thing is just kind of a mess. Now, you know, part of the issue here, just so people know, I'm not a big, um, I don't like to get into the rhino game because I think it's silly. This, you know, Republican in name only just because you vote differently on an issue. But the fact of the matter is, Caleb Browden, who we just spoke with, the Senate Pro Tem in Columbia, he's not amongst the most conservative members of the Missouri Senate. So that's part of the issue right there. On the other hand, I, I don't think it's a secret that Eigel and some of the others try to put the spotlight on them. Nick seems, and this is what I know about Nick Shore, Nick's serious about his job. He, yeah, he wants is. to pass legislation. He wants to achieve things. I would put Senator uh, Mary Elizabeth Coleman in the same group. Now, she's not in the, the Freedom Caucus. Cindy Laughlin, who is second in the Senate, who has been pretty vocal about this group, you know, criticizing them, saying some things about Senator Eigel. She was a member of what was then the conservative caucus. But some people who are conservative, I think I would put Cindy in this group, they, well, certainly Mary Elizabeth would be in this group, they, they don't really want to be a part of that particular group of obstructionists, so to speak. So I don't think that this bodes well for, um, for anyone, simply because if you're hoping for something to get done, let's say sports wagering, which I can't even believe what we're hearing is there's not even a shot that that's going to pass. So uh, why is that even possible? My idea is let's do it like, doesn't Nebraska do this, where you only get up there every two years? Let's not have, I get there's constitutional responsibilities to pass a budget, but good Lord, stay home for a year. Maybe we all be better off. All right, post-New Hampshire primary, some observations from some of our Democrat friends out there on CNN, like Van Jones. I thought this was interesting. If I were Biden, I would, I would stay hidden, and I'll tell you why. Um, he doesn't inspire confidence, and he's not a great messenger for himself. There's something wrong with this campaign where we're somehow expecting Joe Biden, who frankly hid during the last campaign, to come out now and be Flash Gordon and save this his own campaign. Probably not bad advice. Stay hidden for the next few months. Here's David Axelrod. I have said this many times. I think Joe Biden has done some really extraordinary things and that history will shine on those. Uh, he, uh, but his performance is a problem. And that is reflected in the polls. And what, what it translates into is a, an image of weakness. Whether that image is deserved or not, given all that he's dealt with, uh, is a different question. But that is the reality. There is a sense that the world's out of control and he's not in command. And that is what Trump is going straight at. All right. Well, OK, hold on. I don't know what he hears, for example, in this that shows that the president is not in command. We'll teach Donald Trump a, a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you so, want to get sounds the Sounds completely in control to me. Doug High is here, 97.1 FM Talk, political insider, former RNC spokesman, Mr. High. How are you this afternoon? I am well. Is this even worth having a conversation about the presidential race? I, I hate to start that way, but it's, it's actually a somewhat serious question. I, I think the reality is we're not going to see a whole lot of either of the presumptive nominees um, on the campaign trail because neither of them can do a you know six-day barnstorming tour um, that we used to see, frankly, younger and more vigorous candidates do. Um, they, they just can't do it. Now, you know, our politics and our media have changed. You don't need to do it in the same way that you could before or, or had to before, but Neither of them are up to the grueling task of what used to be our presidential campaigns. I think we'll see less of both of them in real events, real rallies. So we'll, we'll see them on digital. We'll see them on TV and all of that. Um, 
And then the, there's the question of, will we see three debates? And I just don't know what that answer is. So did you have a takeaway from, from yesterday in New Hampshire? Let's kind of focus on some of the numbers. I mean, I, I saw some of the exit polling that came out early. It was wrong. Uh, Trump wins pretty decisively. I mean, you, you certainly had voters that came out that were more independent voters that voted for Haley. They're worried about Trump winning a general election. But what, what would be a takeaway from what you saw yesterday, Doug? Well, look, I, I thought, I, one, to be honest, Mark, I don't look at exit polling. It's usually wrong. It's something that gives campaign people and journalists something to talk about when there's nothing else to do. Um, having worked in, in campaigns on the communication side, it's sort of a running joke that the campaign folks can go to a movie during Election Day uh, because there's nothing for them to do until uh, the polls have closed. Right, right. Um, but I look, I look at these numbers, and let's go back to 1992, where Pat, Pat Buchanan shocked the world by losing to um, an incumbent president by a larger margin than Nikki Haley lost to Donald Trump. And I sort of consider Donald Trump an incumbent president here. Um, Not exactly apples to apples, but not really apples to watermelons in this case. And so I think what Haley has done is she has shown the country there's a real problem with nominating Donald Trump. And that's that independent voters and, and, you know, moderate Republican soft R's a lot of them are saying, no way, no how with this guy again. And that's not all of them. And some will come home to, to the Trump campaign if he's, if he's the nominee. But if you're the Trump campaign, Nikki Haley has exposed a problem for your campaign. And it's the problem of being able to win. And so we can focus on all the reasons that Joe Biden can't win. Donald Trump has a long list of oh, that agree. as well. I absolutely agree. And this, this campaign is the resistible force against the movable object. And I wouldn't be comfortable on either of these campaigns with where, you know, where my candidate is positioned. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. And look, you, you even see some of the new polling that came out this week in Pennsylvania where Trump is significantly behind Biden. But let's talk about Nikki Haley for a second, what her future might hold. You have a Democrat primary in South Carolina that comes out on February 3rd, but the Republican primary isn't until the 24th. Many people, not only me, uh, David Axelrod, others, um, you might agree with this too, Doug. They don't think Nikki Haley can go into South Carolina and lose her home state. That would be humiliating, right? Oh, look, I think Donald Trump is as sort of reset the bar on this. Um, At this point in the election, I I don't think that Nikki Haley wins South Carolina. And yes, losing her home state might be a personal embarrassment. Ron DeSantis wasn't going to win Florida either. Um, And that's just a reality, even though he's the current current governor. And and Donald Trump has pulled a, a majority of the party um, in some in some some cases bigger than others, but a majority of the party of the base that shows up in primaries and and are the most dependable uh, Republican voters. But as we've seen, I think from New Hampshire and also the midterms in 2022, Trump and Trumpism can be a drag on Republican tickets. It's why Republicans don't have two senators in Georgia at this point. And so, you know, Haley's going to continue to make that case and. You know, what she's doing now, it's interesting. There, there's some conversation about, is she intentionally trying to get Donald Trump riled, and Donald Trump likes to get riled, to cause him to make some kind of a mistake? And to me, this is, this is Rocky Three. This is Rocky Balboa saying to Clubber Lang, come on, hit me again, come on, hit me again. It worked for Rocky, but that was a movie. It's a very risky strategy because Rocky had to take a lot of incoming punches from Clubber Lang 
and Donald Trump likes to throw punches. But clearly, she sees that Donald Trump is not the guy that he was four years ago, not the guy that he was eight years ago, and that maybe, with a big maybe, that could cause something to change either between now and and South Carolina, and a month is a very long time, or by staying in, um, that if something were to happen further down the road, she's the candidate with the second most delegates. She has a claim on this, which may work or may not. That's also hope as a strategy, yeah, which yeah. is not a winning strategy. Right. No, exactly. So what do you think happened? I mean, there's a lot of things we could probably spend the whole afternoon on DeSantis, but what do you think happened with that? And then is he, he's, he's done for you know presidential politics, even if it's in the future, isn't he? Um, he's the Scott likely. Walker and, of this year. You know, there, there are a lot of there. There have been a lot of conversations. A couple of consultants have written that Ron DeSantis ran the worst campaign in presidential history. Okay, well, let's say that Ron DeSantis ran the best campaign in presidential history. He's still Ron DeSantis, and I think that the problem that DeSantis had was that his best day was going to be the day he announced because we sort of know his name. But if you haven't spent a lot of time around him, you, you don't know that he doesn't give out the warm and fuzzies. And you know, Donald Trump, I have a lot of negative adjectives that I could use about him, but people feel drawn to him. And, and he's able to use that very well. DeSantis doesn't have that. And so you know, he was sort of trying to run as an imitation Trump. The reality is the Republican primary voters look like they want the real thing. Yeah. Well, this is interesting, too. I want your reaction to this. I thought this was fascinating. This Dean Phillips guy who is running, you know, against Biden. He's trying to get a little attention. He doesn't like Trump. He wants to stop Trump. But here's what he said. I got to tell you guys, I went to a Donald Trump rally a couple nights ago. Never been to one. Uh, I had an event across the street. I saw the line of people waiting in the cold for hours. And I thought, what the heck? You know, I'm going to be a leader who actually invites people, doesn't condemn them. Met probably 50 Trump people waiting in line. Every single one of them, thoughtful, hospitable, friendly, all of them so frustrated that they feel nobody's listening to them but Donald Trump. A diverse crowd, people who had never been to a Trump event before. My party is completely delusional. So right I want to hone in on what he said there about, because I think this is all uh, about Trump's success, certainly in 2016, that, that there are people, the deplorables, they feel like nobody is listening to them. And this border issue yeah. is really front and center right now. So I don't know where Dean Phillips takes that, but it'd be nice if the uh, mainstream media would go out and talk to some Trump supporters instead of just labeling them all as crazy. Yeah, I think, or, you know, they, they pick certain ones who are walking into a rally and the one with the craziest shirt or craziest hat is the one that gets talked to. And I can tell you, Having been to Teresa's Trump shop at Osage Beach in Missouri, there's a lot of crazy <laughs> merchandise there. A um, lot of things that I, I don't think are, are real family purchases, so to speak. Um, but look, there's, there's a disconnect between the rest of the country and Washington. And that's, that's been real for a while. Trump obviously was able to inject directly into that vein. And it's one of the reasons that we saw counties in Missouri do a 40-point flip from Obama to Trump. Yeah, it, it was, well, it was dramatic. There's no doubt about that. Listen, thank you for catching up with us here on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. I don't even think I've talked to you in a little bit, so I hope all is well. And we will talk soon. We'll see what this year. I mean, I, I honestly, and I think a lot of people say this, Doug, I can't believe that we're going to sit here between now and November and just talk about these two guys. I really can't, but that's where we are. It's depressing and no one wants it. Nope, nobody wants it, but that's what we got. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Doug.
Be well. All right, we'll take a break here at the top of the hour. You know, Thomas Hubbard is going to drop by for a few minutes. we got an upcoming Protecting Your Retirement event next Tuesday at the St. Louis Plaza Frontenac Hilton. These are free events. We just need you to get signed up. We'll motivate you here in the uh, segment that's coming up after Fox News, then Sue's News. Wednesday afternoons when our friend Alex Rich from Y98 drops by, so we got a bunch of stuff. Sue, there's an interesting, now you do not drink, I do not drink, but there's an interesting drinking game that has taken hold in um, the UK. Hmm. And I will explain the rules. We'll see if anybody cares. Alex is a drinker. Dave Strom is here with us in the 5 o'clock hour. And then Holly Rader, who is a state senator, her take on some of the things happening in the Freedom Caucus, etc. She'll join us at 525 and then an audio cut of the day. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.